It's the Old Man Yells at Music Podcast. The show where a guy looks back at selected hits from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Also, some old musical TV shows, albums you may have forgotten or never even heard of, and more. Now, here's your host, the old man himself, Roger Stroop. Hello, and welcome to episode 54 of the Old Man Yells at Music podcast. I'm Roger Stroop. This week, it's my sixth Tale from the Bargain Bin, a sub-series about albums that were released by major labels but sold poorly or less than expected, and thus ended up on the discount racks of record stores. This tale belongs to a category I call Lost in the 80s. This This category is for albums made by artists who had been big before the 80s began, who made records in in that decade that weren't among the best or best-selling of their careers. Sometimes it was because they wouldn't change with the times. Sometimes it was because they changed too much. And sometimes it was because of intraband tensions or personal struggles. And sometimes the artist made a comeback later, while other times it was the end of their career. If you look up most pop and rock acts with long careers, there'll be at least one of these albums in the, 80s, in the 80s section of their discographies. A whole bargain bin full of them, and I will definitely be looking at more than a few of them. But my first choice from this category is an LP by a band that had spent the second half of the 70s as a multi-platinum rock band selling out arenas and stadiums while gaining a reputation as one of the hardest partying bands in rock history. But the booze and the drugs caught up to them, and that led to the group losing its distinctive lead guitarist and co-main songwriter before the end of the decade, which led to a sharp decline in popularity. The group carried on, hoping to turn things around with a different lineup in a different decade. The band I'm talking about is Aerosmith, and the album that's the subject of this tale from the Barbican Bin is their 1982 LP, Rock in a Hard Place. I covered Aerosmith songs on a couple of the early episodes of the show, number three and number five specifically, so I'm not going to go into too much detail about their early history. The short version is they formed in Boston in 1970, then broke through in, in the middle of the decade with classic hits like Dream On and Walk This Way and big albums like Rocks and Toys in the Attic. But things started to turn south in 1977 during the recording of their album Draw the Line when their growing substance habits began to inhibit their productivity, particularly in the cases of singer Steven Tyler and lead lead guitarist Joe Perry, who around this time came to be known as the Toxic Twins. The album still did well, and after touring it, they went to record their next LP, Night in the Ruts. The drugs and intraband tensions were starting to take their toll, and a decision to stop in the middle of the sessions to go back on tour didn't help matters. Things came to a head during a July 28, 1979 show in Cleveland. Backstage, there was a confrontation between the wives of Perry and bassist Tom Hamilton, during which Mrs. Perry threw a glass of milk at Mrs. Hamilton. Tyler confronted Perry about his spouse's behavior, the argument grew heated, and the result was Perry leaving the band. 
whether of his own accord or not. There is some debate about that. The band found themselves needing another guitarist to finish Night in the Ruts, and they ended up hiring Brooklyn native Jimmy Crespo, who had been in a group called Flame that had recently disbanded. Released in late 1979, Night in the Ruts was the band's poorest-selling album to date, and its only single, a cover of the 1964 Shangri-La's hit Remember Walking in the Sand, only reached number 67 on the Hot 100. The group's troubles continued into 1980, as declining demand for their live shows forced them to play fewer large arenas and more smaller venues. During one show from this tour in Portland, Maine, Tyler collapsed on stage and didn't come back for the rest of the set. And that fall, Tyler was seriously injured in a motorcycle accident, which required a two-month stay in the hospital and several more months of recuperation at home. In the middle of 1981, the band finally began work on their first full album without Perry. And the problems continued right from the start, as the band's rhythm guitarist, Brad Whitford, decided to quit after only one song had been recorded. The group replaced him with Paris-born Rick Dufay, and they kept on going despite Tyler's continuing struggles with drugs and alcohol. The recording sessions dragged on, and the album reportedly cost one and a half million dollars to make. But eventually it was finished, and on August 27, 1982, Rock in a Hard Place was released on the band's longtime label, Columbia Records. The cover of Rock in a Hard Place depicts a Stonehenge-like rock formation against a sky-blue background. The one, rock the one Rock statue is shaped like a capital A, not the most exciting cover. Let's see what the music inside the package is like. Track one is Jailbait. It's fast and loud, and Tyler's vocals are particularly screamy. The lyrics are about, well, what would you think a song with such a title would be about? Let's look at some lyrics, that is. Take it, leave it, roll the dice. You're hot as hell, I'm cold as ice. Oh, jailbait, tell your daddy how you do me. Put to the woodshed, do it to me, jailbait. What you see in daddy's eyes, check the voice, ain't no surprise. Jailbait, 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 jailbait. Do me, do you, tell me, would you, see me, me too, do me, do you. I ain't complaining, bitches brew. Girls in love, I never knew she jailbait. Steep the chase, cold sweatin', stick your feet up. Suffice it to say, this song would not fly today. But beyond that, you immediately notice the absence of the distinctive energy of Joe Perry's guitar playing. Steve's giving it his usual sass, but obviously something is missing. Track two is Lightning Strikes. It was the album's first single, and the one Brad Whitford played on before he left. I thought going in that, given the band's penchant for covering songs from the 50s and 60s, this might be a, a version of the 1966 Lou Christie number one hit. But instead, it's an original rocker about some kind of gang fight. Let me hit you with some lyrics. The boys and the dukes are ready to rumble. The word on the street, some heads are gonna tumble. Blades gonna flash when streets gangs clash in the avenue tonight. When the lightning strikes, 
Zip gun Johnny's finger is itching. The lid's gonna blow up in Hell's kitchen. It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's so ruthless when they fight. When the lightning strikes and it's a free-for-all in the parking lot. And who'll rule the street? And the night explodes when the cops bring down the heat. And the chains, they crash like thunder. While the weak ones all retreat. Gotta draw first blood or they'll read you or they'll read your funeral rites. When the lightning strikes, it's dog-eat-dog when you meet your rival. And the combat zone, it's your means of survival. Gonna get last licks on a suicide blitz with a broken dagger knife when the lightning strikes. Kinda cheesy, especially those lyrics. But okay. Still, I'm not feeling this as Aerosmith. Track three is Bitches Brew. Soundwise, it's a raunchy strut that could have fit in well on future albums like Permanent Vacation or Pump, and the presence of Joe Perry would certainly have made it even better. The lyrics are Tyler's typical mix of sex and nonsense. I tell you a thing, foxy little flirt, I caught you in the briar patch, lift, lifting up your skirt. Well, let me tell you what you've been doing in the briar patch, what you've been doing in the little skirt. Got in closer with a big feet ranch making magic. Fooling with the bitch's brew. You know the things I told you not to do. You fell into the briar patch. Ain't nothing gonna save ya. Remember the things you said. You saving the screams for bed. And now you, you just walk away. So take it. And go all the way. Ah, you fooling with the bitch's brew. That ain't the thing you oughta fool with. Now keep your fingers out of there, honey. You know that ain't no fair. The way that you read me because of the way you did. The way the witches sight. Oh, the things that you fight. To me, it's the best song on the album so far. <laughs> we'll see if anything tops it right after this. Hi, this is your host, Roger Stroop. Letting you know that if you like my point of view on old pop music... You can actually find lots more of it on the Old Man Yells at Music blog. I've been looking back at top 40 charts from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and beyond for almost 10 years now, and I've done hundreds of entries and covered thousands of songs from the American, Canadian, and British charts, from the A's to ZZ Top, from Abacab to Zoom. You'll also find my Uneasy Rider tournaments, celebrating the odd ducks of the American top 40. The 70s tourney is complete, but the 80s one is just getting started, and you can follow along on the blog as it progresses. And of course, you can find links to the latest episode of this podcast and the accompanying YouTube playlists there. So take a look at the Old Man Yells at Music blog, which you can find at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. Why is it there? You'll have to go there to find out. That's the Old Man Yells at Music blog at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. The fourth song is Bolivian Ragamuffin. It's like a boogie rock version of Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues, only Tyler's lyrics make actually make more sense because you know most of them are about one particular topic. See if you can guess what it is. Pack up your troubles in your old kid kit bag. You gotta dance to the tune of Bolivian Ragamuffin. 
outtakes, short breaks, love her till the earthquakes. Stand on the seashore, looking at the city. See the streetlight, dog bite your lady on the titty. At the wax museum, everyone, everybody cares to see themselves as others care to see you, but nobody wants to be you, baby. Cornbread, cabbage head, try, to get, try and get a side of me. Hold my pickle, hold your lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. Kickstand face, looks so evil, like Knievel. Never make third base like a tongue in my old lady, like a squatez-vous and a domo arigato. Tip my hat to you rock-a-roller obligato. Stage show come in stride. Smoke a bone, I'm feeling fine. Girls in heat will try and get us. Hash and bones won't, up, won't upset us. He need cash. Kick in the pants. Wanted for gotta dance. Say it, ah, to you to give us the chance. It seems likely that Steve was under the influence of a certain Bolivian product when he wrote this. Also, the song contains the album's first real guitar so solo, and suffice it to say, I missed Perry even more. Track five is Crimea River. Now, this is a cover, a version of the torchy ballad popularized by singer Julie London in the 1956 rock movie The Girl Can't Help It. I'll keep my composure while reading the lyrics. Now you say you're lonely. You cried the whole night through. Well, you can cry me a river. Cry me a river. I cried a river over you. Now you say you're sorry for being so untrue. Well, you can cry me a river. Cry me a river. I cried a river over you. You drove me in and drove me out of my head. Well, you never shed a tear. Remember, I remember all that you said. You told me love was to come in. This moment you was, you were, you were, now you say you love me. Well, just to prove you do, come on and cry me a river. Cry me a river. I cried a river over you. Aerosmith's take is bluesier, but it's faithful to the most famous version, as you would expect. It's probably not a choice that particularly appealed to their fans, but they do well with it and make it theirs. Track six is Prelude to Joni. As the title suggests, it's an introduction to the following song. In a mix of moans and electronically altered voice, voices, we hear the following words. At first, we three thought twas the biblical chord of life, then noticing twas connected to his head. How strange, not to be believed. I reached out to feel and the pony's eyes opened. The chord got hard. The head looked around, and you know who pushed and gushed the waters of life. First two hooved feet, then the shine of his fur. But at first, to my eyes only, feather, feathers, wings. The butterflies flew up in such colors, exploding all around us. The rest I did not see, till there he stood. All eyes in wonder. Who me? Who you? Look. This kind of hippie prog poetry was definitely a big departure from the Aerosmith formula, and it continues with track seven, Joni's Butterfly. 
It's their attempt at a psychedelic epic, something that was definitely all the rage in 1982. Let's check out the lyrics. What a stormy night when I met the pony. It was so dark that I could hardly see. It smelled so sweet, you know who and Joni. So many butterflies, one could not see. We could all we all could feel desire, took off in flight. It was hotter than fire, then came the light. I smell the heat, the dancing ponies. Unwrapped his wings to dry off Joni. The pony, he grew in size, the thunder and rain, and finally realized what was, what it does, and what it come to say. Love to kiss the cheek of Mother Nature. Nobody here can deny such things. Make the ladies you love come, honey. No butterfly should be denied its wings. He was a kick-ass rocking horse. He was like a hell-bent tied to the gavin pole. He was a one-time fantasy. I got the bare bones riding to the Holy Land. Bare-backed riding like a running man. Nightmares. And he can't hold the candle to my dreams. We rode the night and took to wing. It was so all right. It was everything. We flew into burning skies, the thunder and rain, and finally realized what it is, what it does, and what it come to say. No, 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 took off in flight. No, 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 then came the light. What the hell? Musically, it's okay, but those lyrics. Clearly, Steve was, to borrow a British idiom, off his tits when he wrote this. There are bands that can do this, but Aerosmith wasn't one of them. They could throw in some short sections of this kind of thing in a song, but a whole song like this just seemed beyond their capabilities. I admire the ambition, but at a point in their but a point in their career where the commercial fortunes were hanging by a thread may not have been the time to try something like this. Track 8 is the title track, Rock in a Hard Place, Cheshire Cat. It's a blues rock strut, and the subject is sex. Normal service has resumed. Lyrics. It was a take-it-or-leave-it kind of Saturday night. I wish I could love you till the cows come home. Make it right. If it's a make-believe, I say it ain't. And tell you then, because if it's a dream I'm in, please wake me up. And smile again. Ooh, close your eyes, and what do you see? Ooh, close your eyes. What in hell did, what in hell they did with your your only belief? She was a real top manner, lies and no conniver, heart pumping floozy, late night driver, her second hand clothes, smiling like a Cheshire cat, said it was in and out and up and down the urchin moon. Only a certain situation on the sea. I'm who. Putting the ring around the, the rose and pull the daisy chain. Cover your head and tell me you ain't from, from there and back again. It sounds a little bit like one of their older songs. I'm thinking same old song and dance, but it's a pale imitation. To me, it's starting to get a little sad. This is Aerosmith as an Aerosmith cover band. Track nine is Jig Is Up. You want more sexy nonsense? Here it is. Plus some F-bombs. I'm warning you of that in advance. P 
passion queen, sold like black Vaseline. She was a long, tall, cold Sally. Joystick. Know what I mean? She's all right. Drashen spurs, pong man, puss, puss in boots. She was an old mole lip, bold hip, ooh. Fucked up, fucked up, fuck em, fuck em, booty, yeah. Sweet pretty lady, lick em, love em. Loose city floozy, push em, shove em. All kind of crazies, left for lover. Hairline choosy. New York jets, old jock, wide in the city. Locker room lady, drive me crazy, what you do. She's all tight, ain't all right. Heh <laughs> heh. Sweet pretty lady. Lick em, love em. Loose city floozy, push em, shove em. All kind of crazy, left for lover. Hairline choosy. One for the funny, two for the love, all to get ready. It actually starts with some spirited scatting, but overall it sounds muted, like their hearts really aren't in it. Maybe that explains the swearing. They needed a substitute for passion. The tenth and final song is Push Comes to Shove. Yes, it's a sex song. It may specifically be about groupies, which gives it a little bit of extra character. Can you be in love when you live alone? Push comes to shove when you're bitching on. Now look at every... I'm ton on you without a doubt. Some of these lyrics you get from lyric sites don't make sense. Said the music does the talking, but all we heard is talk about. The girls are left behind when 40 women all spend time with me and the boys and the toys. Yeah. Rose, Rose said she was fine for two with blonde hair by Crackett, miles of blue. Susie, she was on my side because she and Nancy, uh, they took me for a ride. The girls are left behind when 40 women all spend time with me and the boys. And they do. Yeah, the toys. Talk about it. Walk about it. Talk about it. Talk a booby. Talk about it. Talk about it. Dee dum dooty dooty dooty. I think that's their attempt to transcribe some of Stephen's typical scatting. Remember that from Ragdoll? Okay. I gotta say, Stephen gives his all on this one. But then he puts on this old-time blues-style voice that ends up sounding like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. It's an appropriate way to end the album. Another song that's really trying really hard for, to compensate for something that isn't there anymore. I'll give my overall impression of the album and talk about what happened afterward, right after this. The Old Man Yells at Music podcast now has a Patreon. Yes, if you like this podcast so much you were moved to financially support it, now you can. There are different tiers with different rewards, such as early episode access, the ability to vote on future topics, and bonus episodes about extra songs from the charts I cover, other charts from other years, genres, and countries, and even the biggest hits of the 21st century. And you can even pick an episode topic for me at the top level. So if you're interested, go to patreon.com and search Old Man Yells at Music. Or click on the link click on the links to the show notes, my social media posts, or the blog at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com. Help me yell more at more music. Become a Patreon subscriber today. So 
What do I think of Rock in a Hard Place? Well, it's pretty much why, what I expected. The sound of a band struggling to st stay on track without one of the key components of their sound. As I've said quite often, Steven Tyler sounds like he's trying, but the old act isn't working as well with him in the state is in in the state he's in, and without Joe Perry to play off of. Bitches Brew and Crimea River are the best tracks, and Joni's Butterfly is at least a curiosity, but the rest of this is a subpar approximation of their glory years. The lasting impression of the album is that it's the dying gasps of a spent force. Commercially, Rockin' a Hard Place was the worst-selling Aerosmith album to date. It only got to number 32 on the album chart, and Lightning Strikes not only, strikes not only failed to crack the, the Hot 100, it fell short of the top 20 on the rock radio chart. And its underwhelming performance meant that the ensuing tour saw them playing even fewer large arenas. It looked for all the world like Aerosmith was done as a major headlining arena rock band. But they pressed on. And they played a gig at the Orpheum Theater in, the, in their hometown of Boston on Valentine's Day, 1984. In the audience that night were none other than Brad Whitford and Joe Perry. Since that fateful night in Cleveland, Perry had released two albums with his new band, The Joe Perry Project, and had gotten a divorce. The two guitarists went backstage after the show to catch up with their old bandmates, and the impromptu reunion went so well that within a few months, the classic lineup was reformed and back on tour for what they called the Back in the Saddle Tour. Shortly after that, the band signed a new contract with Geffen. And, on, and in, in November of 1985, they released the album Done With Mirrors. The album got decent reviews, and it produced two top 20 rock hits, but sales of the LP were similar to those of Rock in the Hard Place. However, they were recovering some ground as a live draw. But the turning point of their comeback was March 9th, 1986, when Tyler and Perry went into Chung King Studios in New York with producer Rick Rubin and rap group Run DMC to record a hip-hop cover of Aerosmith's 1976 hit, Walk This Way. The track would become a top-five smash, and it put Aerosmith back in the mainstream spotlight. Also around this time, Tyler went into rehab and got clean, and the rest of the band eventually followed suit. With newly clear heads, the band recorded their second Geffen album, Permanent Vacation. Released in the fall of 1987, the album produced three top 20 hits, including their biggest hit to date, the top five power ballad, Angel. It also returned them to multi-platinum sales and massive arena shows. The next decade and a half saw them release more blockbuster albums and rack up several more hits, culminating in 1998 with their first number one, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, from the soundtrack of the movie Armageddon. Since they've headlined a Super, a Super Bowl halftime show, done a residency in Las Vegas, and they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2001. But it's doubtful that anyone could have predicted all this after hearing the mess that is rock in a hard place. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Old Man Yells at Music podcast. As always, if you like what you've heard, share, subscribe, and leave a review where you found it. You can also leave feedback on the Facebook and Twitter feeds, both of which are at Mr. B. Glovehead, or on the blog post for this episode, which is at bobbyglovescasey.blogspot.com, or you can check out the Instagram account, at Old Man Yells at Music. 
As always, there's a companion YouTube playlist for this episode, which I link to in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to my Patreon, where you can support the show and get some bonus content. All lyrics quoted are for the purposes of discussion and review. No infringement is intended. Next time on the show, it's a look back at the charts of February 1993. It's the last year of the 70s, 80s, and 90s that I've looked at on this show. Find out if I saved the best for last. Until then, I'm Roger Stroop saying, I'm a kick-ass rocking horse. Stay safe. <laughs>